So what we did is we, we wrote a letter to ourselves when we made the decision to end the pregnancy. And we wrote down all the reasons why and all the evidence why. Because again, we was kind of imagining that in the future we might look back and think, why did we do what we did? Obviously, when time passes, memories become quite hazy. So um, welcome along, everyone. This is Still Parents Podcast. It is episode 58. I'm Dan here with Ryan and with Matt, as ever, and we had this charity football game against today. So thank you to everyone who represented, if you're listening to this, from the Aching Arms team. It was it was, it was, was a lot of fun. <laughs> I was getting a bit of stick from Ryan on my own team because at one point I just I did something. It wasn't very good. And I just heard Ryan go, Dan, was that a shot or a crop? What was that? What was, what, what was that? <laughs> I was like, my answer was, I don't actually know. I was caught in two minds. <laughs> I'll say this now, in case I forget at the end. If you if you have a spare few seconds just to leave us any kind of, of review, you don't even have to leave the word one if you can just give us some stars. The reason for this, as well as massaging our egos, but it's mostly just because the more interaction we have with that, the easier it is for this podcast to be discovered by other people. Bearing that in mind, let's bring in this evening's guest. She's joining us from, is it, Man- are you in Manchester, Lucy? Yeah, so I am from Manchester, but I um, I live, well, basically I live near Lytham. So I don't know if anyone knows where Lytham, Lytham is. Yeah, but... I know where Lytham is. Lytham? Lytham, yeah. Yeah. Where, where's that? It's up north. I went there. Up north, great. Yeah, Geog- north. Geography <laughs> by Matt. Geography by Matt. I live near the beach. There you now. go. See? Yeah. Oh, let's go to the beach. beach. There you go. I've, um, you must have been there a few times then over the last few weeks because we've been having a heat wave, haven't we, in the UK? Yeah, no, I'm always on the beach with a dog every day if I come. Oh. Yeah. All right, show off. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Lucy. See you later. <laughs> but, but welcome on to the show, Lucy. We've been looking forward to having you on because there's lots of things that, uh, that you do, lots of things that you're active with. You've also got your own podcast, and we're going to speak about all of these, your app, your profession, and before we get into any of those things, would you mind taking us through your story? Because it was in 2017, wasn't it, I believe, six years ago that you yeah. and uh, you're the half. Is it Rick? Rick Richard or yeah. Rick? Depending on Rick. if he's in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, just Rick. Yeah. Which one is he today? He's Rick. He's Rick today. He's yeah. Rick today. Yeah, he's Rick. All right. <laughs> if you would like to ask a question, by the way, if you are watching live through the stream, feel free to do so. Ryan's keeping an eye on that. And if you're listening back to this show through podcast provider and you'd like to send a question, our Instagram Still Parents Podcast. We're back on Twitter, Still Parents Pod. Cheers, Elon. And stillparentspodcast.co.uk. We don't have an app yet, which I think we might have to after we, uh, we hear about what Lucy's had to say, because <laughs> your app is very, is very good. I like. Yeah, thank you. So over to you, Lucy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I have been really looking forward to coming on and to connect and and sharing. Um, I'm really in awe of what you guys do. And, you know, I think in this world, collaboration is everything. Yeah. So my name's Lucy then. um, I'm a bereaved mum, so I'm mum to Ellie. And Ellie passed away in 2017. My background is mental health nursing. So I've been a nurse for about 10 years now. Uh, At the moment, aside from running a baby loss support organisation, my main job is to deliver occupational health services. So I I do mental health first aid, mental health training for managers, for employees, uh, stress management, sleep, you name it, all these different types of work. So if you don't mind me jumping in, what's mental health first aid? We're mental health first aid. We're qualified. What, what does that mean then? Matt loves a certificate. I do. <laughs> He's got his certificates up proud in our room. One hasn't got a frame but, at the moment, but I need to get a frame. Because oh. obviously we're doing this episode just <laughs> off we're doing this episode just off the back of International Fathers Mental Health Day, which yeah. we, we did the episode for. I'll put the link in the description on here. For anyone like me, who's a bit of an idiot, clarify exactly what mental health first aid is. I can take a guess, yeah. but 
Yeah. So, so in the same, so in the same way that anyone in in the workplace would train to be a first aider to support somebody in relation to their physical health, workplaces are now putting in place what we call mental health first aiders. So it's trained individuals who learn all the ins and outs of different mental health disorders and understand how they can support somebody in the workplace. So they're not they're not there to diagnose, okay. but they're there to support and signpost and offer emotional advice and, and support and also work collaboratively within the organisation to kind of drive mental health awareness forward yeah. as well. Yeah, so I train people up and down the UK. Oh, that's great. Um, I enjoy the topic of mental health. And yeah. I've been a nurse, like I said, for, for around about 10 years, so... What was it like 10 years ago compared to now? Because it's a conversation that was had, but not anywhere in the in yeah. the style and the capacity yeah. it is these days. What's your what's your view yeah. on that? It, you know, it, it's cha- changed a lot. Mental health awareness has changed. Mental health support has changed. I think like with everything, time changes and things get better. And I think mental health awareness has got better. Yeah. And um, people are much more, feel much more able to talk about it, but... There is still a lot of stigma yeah. around sharing, yeah. uh, and especially with, with men as well, um, for many different reasons. I I know that if I'm working with, say, an individual or well, two individuals, a, a, a male and a female, I know that it would typically it's easier for me to mm. to work with the female and, and to kind of build a rapport quicker with her than say with the with the guy. It just takes longer. Yeah, it's, it's true, isn't it? Because we had our football game today and we spoke about the, the mental health things with the guys and the, the, the cliches, the stereotypes, the stigmas. Because even, yeah. we, we had a discussion on our mental health episode the other week and it was about some of those things. You know, that comment, oh, man up. I, mean, I heard a couple of those today at the football. You know, someone got knocked down and a little foul happened and you get a few of the old... That was on me. That was... Yeah, it was on Ryan. It's like, man up. Because you don't like that phrase in particular, are you, Matt? No, really, no. No, no, I don't. No. I don't no. either. And I told him I didn't like it as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you via the ref. Ref! do you mind telling us and our audience about your your loss and ellie uh, with ellie sorry and and what happened yeah so back in 2017 myself and rick um we decided to to settle down Uh, we bought a house we we got a dog um and typically the next thing on our agenda was to to start a family with my background being mental health nursing i'd always had a really keen interest in well-being modalities I've trained over the years in um, acupuncture and meditation and massage and Reiki and I was really kind of into keen into my own well-being because I struggled a lot with anxiety and to go further back into my my story before Ellie died I my my twin brother passed away when we were 15 so his heart stopped suddenly so you know like the footballers we see typically who collapse and die so the same thing happened to my twin um, and his name's Ashley so over the years after his loss and training to be a mental health nurse I had to like learn how to look after myself because I was in grief I had a lot of anxiety so yes I'd had a really keen interest in well-being things so when I got pregnant it was only natural for me to look into something that was going to help during pregnancy and birth which is how I came to look into something called hypnobirthing hypnobirthing for anyone that doesn't know what that is it's birth relaxation um it's all around using it's all around working with your body during labor it's about changing that mindset around birth because typically we're all brought up to believe that birth is this horrific horrible event it's really painful it's traumatic you know it's something that you've just got to get through was in hypnobirthing is about looking at it in a positive light to sort of say right well you know you are going to feel something I'm not going to say you're not going to breathe your baby out but it's all about changing that mindset about utilizing your breath during your contractions it's about 
birth partner's role, supporting mom during that process. Okay. What's the yeah. difference between hypnobirth and just general like breathing exercises? Yeah, so um, so with the hypnobirthing, they, they, they typically use hypnosis tracks as well. So it's not like oh, Darren wow. Brown stuff. It's not like look into my eyes, look into my eyes off Little Britain or like... <laughs> Yuri Geller turns up and starts bending a spoon while you're pushing. That's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Hello. It's more about Hello. listening right. to right. This, this specific guided relaxation hypnosis tracks that you listen to. <laughs> and um... Sorry, Ryan, you're right. Ryan, you got him just swallowed his drink. Is, is, he, is he okay? He's all right. He just swallowed his a mouth full of drink when he said, look into my eyes. Oh, look okay, into my sorry. Eyes. Yeah, so, it's, so, the, so the tracks are written in a way to try and change your mindset about right. that. Right, okay. That's a great, yeah. I like the idea of it. Yeah. 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 We sort of did something called anchoring. So it's like, it's about um, connecting smells to, um, so we use like lavender scent, aromatherapy, et cetera. So okay. every time we were relaxation, every time we were practicing relaxation, we had lavender being diffused in the air. We had it in oil. We had it roll on everything so that my brain was starting to associate feeling relaxed yeah. with the smell of lavender. So okay. we call this anchoring. Yeah. So was really getting into all of this. Mm. And then what happened is we went for our 20 week scan and um, they, they they did the scan, but they um, they just sort of said, well, we can't see baby's heart. But because my brother passed away due to his heart, I was under a specialist team just to make sure that yeah. I was okay because I've been diagnosed with a heart condition too. So they were just checking everything out with baby. So then we got referred to more of a specialist unit. And at that point we was totally really kind of hypnobirthing focus mm. was like we're going to go and demand a natural birth because they were telling me that because of your heart it's going to be quite medicalized and we were totally like well no we're not that's not happening we're going to have a natural birth we're going to do it at home and we so we just went in so naive first time parents really went that, to this scan which should have been 20 minutes and then basically like this scan which 20 minutes turned out to be seven hours and they were just testing and not really giving us information just kind of drip feeding little bits and me and Rick were like something's not right and they kept saying go away just you know go and have a walk come back we need to scan baby again and again and again and again and then eventually in the evening we were we were told we was taken into what I would say one of those bad newsrooms because mm. to me so it basically when my brother passed away they took us into one of the same rooms to tell to tell us that he died um after we'd been told he just took, took poorly on um, whilst he was running for a cross country run, so I'd gone into this room and I was like, you know what, like this, this is not good. This is not yeah. not a good good room to be in. And the consultant sat us down and said, so what we've seen is that Ellie's heart hasn't formed properly, and all her chambers of the heart, which should be there, are not, and also the the valves is, is also not working. We're not entirely sure yet. But from what we can see, we we don't believe that this is operable. We will need to run some further tests. But the options that you've got here are you can either have a termination for medical reasons at this point, or you can go to full term and deliver her. But she she's she's going to die, you know. Yes. So how what, do you how do you take, what do you want to do? How do you take that news? I know it might sound an obvious question, but like. Well, so looking back, so um, and I remember this very clearly. I just, I was very, I was very calm, and I just kept saying, "Okay, okay, okay." And the consultant said, "No, Mrs. Livesey, I don't think you're listening to what I'm saying. It's not okay. This is not okay. Do you understand what I'm telling you?" And I said, and I just said to him, "What do you expect me to say? Yeah. What do you want me to say?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and this is the thing it's like you know this choice was wasn't a choice you know what i mean it was like well, well which what 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 do we do yeah. So it was, it was very, very difficult. We had a we had three weeks of going backwards and forwards, having tests done. We had a big, long bank holiday weekend in between all of that as well, having to wait for results. Mm. And I remember we, what we did is, and it sounds crazy, and it won't probably won't it won't do to you guys, but we so that long bank holiday weekend, I said to Rick, I need to get out of the house. I can't be here. And because we had a lot of our, our friends and family talking to us about what they thought we should do um you know how we how they thought we should handle it out of a place of love and care yeah. and support but we was like you know we we, we just need to get away yeah. from everything so we took ourselves yeah. off camping in a in a in a camping yurt in the forest near a beach with the dog and it was just me rick ellie in this wonderful setting and i look back at that memory now and i'm that was our little time as a family yeah. there yeah well it was it yeah was, yeah yeah um and then eventually just under just under 24 weeks so we missed out on maternity leave as well oh, but just under 24 yeah. weeks we we decided to terminate um and we we delivered her earlier because we felt based upon how we felt and this is us as individual parents because not everybody has the same belief but we we believe that this would be the kindest way for her yeah. And and would create the less amount of suffering for everybody, mm. because we just couldn't see how going full term, watching her die, yeah. us going through that. You know, we just didn't see how that would serve any anybody in, in relation to how we felt. Yeah. Um, We've talked about that before, haven't we? Yeah. About, like respect, and and it sounds like you did. It was out of respect in the end for Ellie, I yeah. suppose. Of course, you're having to look after your own body and your mental health yourself excuse me yourself if you don't mind me asking lucy how did handling your grief having already been through it with your twin brother we speak a lot mm. and ryan's mentioned this plenty of times that you got you, you expect to lose family members for age related or you, but the, the losses that you don't expect and then you've been hit with with two of them your brother mm. and and ellie the experience of going through that as a teenager and also your profession, how did those things help you handle your grief? I'm really grateful for the training that I've had mm. in terms of the mental health nurse training because when we found about Ellie's heart, when we found out about Ellie's heart condition, myself and Rick, because Rick's very much of the same mindset uh, in terms of like, right, this is the situation. What are the risks? You know, what, what are the next steps? How do we minimize any sort of aftermath? How do we bring supportive measures in place? So we actually treated it um, in what in one respect, kind of like how are we gonna how are we gonna get through this? Yeah. Um, so I over the years when Ashley died, I'd had a lot of psychotherapy, I'd done a lot of work on myself, so I had a really good foundation. Now that's not to say when Ellie died, I was like, oh, you know, oh, I'm gonna handle this great, it's another loss, like I know what to do. But it was a case of kind of saying, right, well, this is the situation that we're going through it, that we've got to face now. We've got to deliver her. She's not alive. How, how can we do this in the best possible way? How can we make this experience one that we're going to reflect back on yeah. without looking at it through the eyes of trauma, even though it is trauma? It's how yeah. you're framing it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what we did is we we wrote a letter to ourselves when when we made the decision to, to end the pregnancy our future selves and we wrote down all the reasons why and all the evidence why because again we was kind of imagining that in the future we might look back and think 
why did we do what we did and what were the facts? And obviously when time passes, memories become quite hazy. Mm. So we knew that that would potentially be a risk. So, we also wrote down lots of things that would help us after she died, supportive measures. My That's ears amazing. have literally just I was just about when you say. said that because... Yeah, yeah what, well, they're uh, writing the letter to you. They're writing the letter That's to incredible. yourself yeah. because... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm an ex-teacher. For me, every day is a school day, so we always learn something new every day. And I've never actually thought about when I, whenever I see a one-to-one client or something like mm. that, I've never, ever thought about saying to them, write yourself a letter yeah. so Ooh. that you can look back in six months, 12 months, 10 years, 50. It doesn't really matter what the length of time is yeah. because memories yeah. become hazy and... Also, it cements the progress that you make from obviously that loss to where you then are in that future time to be able to see just how far you really have come through your grief. With your mental health nurse hat on, were you acutely aware that you could potentially fall into a, I suppose, a downward spiral if you weren't so... um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you weren't so in tune, in in tune with your own yeah. with your own feelings, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do think it helped. Um, so after she died, and I, I'll I'll share about her birth in in a little while, just before I answer yeah. this question though first, because we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here. But so after she passed away, I recognise that. So at the time, I was working for a home treatment team, so it was, it was our role in the community to assess people. He were poorly, sometimes suicidal, or, you know, we'd, we'd keep people well at home. Mm. Um, and it was very, very intense. It was 12-hour shifts. It was, um, yeah, quite an intense job. So I knew that I couldn't go back to that role in the state that I was in. Because I was just under 24 weeks, I missed out on maternity leave, which meant that I, I, I only had, I think, two weeks where I could take off or something. Oh, I can't wow. remember exactly. It wasn't long. That's so not, that's I ended up right, going on sick from the NHS because I was like, right, yeah. I just need a bit of time yeah. just to kind of process, piece myself back together. Anyway, I t- took a look. I can't remember exactly how long, but I put a little bit of a management plan as if, I, as if I was my own patient. Yeah. So I kind of like looked at what do I need? What, what are my next steps now? And I really re- recognized that I needed to just get back to basics. It was about showering daily, making sure I'm drinking, you know, two liters of water if I could get to that making sure I'm taking a daily walk with a dog, making sure I'm taking time to journal, looking after my digital diet, making sure I'm not listening to like negative news and things. Because at the time when Ellie died, the Manchester Arena bombing had just happened as well. Oh yeah, and you were close by, I guess, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. so it was like the whole of Manchester were grieving. So I was like kind of, Ellie had just died and and suddenly and then there was grief everywhere. So I was really mindful of, I need to shut out, I need to shut social media out, I need to shut the news out, I need to shut it all out. Um, it's the importance uh, of that routine, isn't it? As you've just described, yeah. it's, it's such a, yeah. an important thing to have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. Um, I accessed some counselling immediately because I knew that was something that I leaned heavily into. So I needed needed to access that. So I got some of that through the hospital. Okay. And and I leaned into the support from from Rick and from my friends and my family. And then I later went on to do further training in mindfulness and then hypnobirthing, which is kind of which led me into what I'm doing now. Mm. So, yeah, so I do think it definitely helps. It's, well, I suppose you know that the the mental health first aid and everything that you do with your mm. profession that you do with other patients after doing it 
to yourself, you know that uh, it's like ha- having that credibility. You know mm. it works. Mm. So, yeah. and I think that, you know, through the tragedy, it brings people a definite reason to speak to you specifically. As, as we've mentioned many times in different threads on the podcast, just having that, you can be the most qualified person in the world, but you need that empathy and you need that experience. If you, yeah. you know, if you're talking to someone who's, who has, I'll use the cliche now, walked a mile in your shoes. Mm. It gives a significant extra impact on onto how you're going to handle things, I but, think. Uh, but also, I mean, I don't think we've ever said, said this before. Like you've just said there, you can be the most qualified person in the world, but no one has qualifications in feelings or emotions mm. or how they, you, you don't get a qualification. Oh, I'll probably be a course soon, to be fair. Like, <laughs> no, but what I mean is is that we don't have a qualification no, right, for yeah. losing a baby, for instance. Yeah. You, you're you not gaining anything out yeah. of it. Lucy, you said like that you um, use your skills to kind of give advice or give yourself advice or try and do that because I think it's a real human nature trait that we're very good at giving advice out to other people but then not following our own. Yeah. I understand what you were saying about, right, I need to do this. I need to get this. I need to get this. And did, uh, I'm assuming it didn't, but did it be, did it come that easy? Um, it's like a wounded animal, isn't it? You take time to lie low and rest. Um, when Ellie died, I was broken. I was so broken. Yeah. I basically took some time just to kind of lie around, rest, and, you know, obviously my body had just gone through birth. So yeah. I obviously was, my body was reacting as if it had had a baby, which it had had a baby. But, you know, it was like my arms felt, all I can describe it is my arms like ached for this child and I couldn't couldn't hold it yeah. and I couldn't find her. But my body knew that my baby should be here, but it wasn't. It was yeah. a very, very bizarre feeling. Sometimes um, we find, I don't know what you think, but I, some of my clients that I've worked with, put an expectation on themselves to mm. have to do something. What you've just mm. said about lying around, mm. like I try and work with my clients and say to them, just embrace the feelings that come yeah. to you. It's very easy yeah. to shun those feelings away. But as you said, if you're having one of those days where you don't want to get out of bed, well, don't get out of bed, right? Exactly. Just, just, and I know it's hard because you might have responsibilities. You might not be able to do that, but you have to mm. find a little bit of time to do I, that. Well, I've always said to, I always say to my clients, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Absolutely. Shall we, shall we go back then to the birth? Yeah, yeah. When we found out that we were going to go through the birth at that time, we made the decision that we still wanted to try and implement the hypnobirthing skills that we'd learned into the, the birthing experience because we wanted to go into that experience as, as calm as possible and to be able to look back and, you know, to kind of look back on a, on a memory that which wasn't, which wasn't shrouded in, in screams and tears and just a horrible memory. You know, we just wanted to try and create something that we were going to look back on um, fondly. So we, uh, we decided to utilize the hypnobirthing skills and we, we created a, a baby loss birth plan which was all about writing down what was important to me on the day, like the yeah. midwives speaking in hushed voices and the lights being down low and bringing music and smells in. And um, I wanted to kind of take the lead as well. I didn't, I didn't want too many people in the room. I didn't want students in the room. So I, I just kind of dictated how I wanted it to be, Good. which is typically what we'd advocate anyway in, yeah. with hypnobirthing in, a, in like a normal birthing situation. 
and um yeah and then we 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 went we went into the hospital and we 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 had a birth with her that we do look back on fondly we had um we we utilized music we utilized smells breathing techniques and it's something that i'm really really proud of when i look back at ellie's birth i think um, so can i just cut yeah. in ellie i think that's incredible what i mean by just being able to just i suppose just keep your center through all this mm -hmm. and treat it as an experience that can still be enjoyed despite knowing what the end point's going to be. I think that's, yeah. well, I just want to say yeah. well done because I yeah. think that's, I think that's yeah. incredible. I really do. It was about taking, taking back some control in a situation we had no control over. Whilst we, we can't control the outcome of what's happening, we could control certain elements of the experience that we were going through. Um, and that, that for us is, is this difference between looking back at this birth and yeah. thinking it was just something to get through or we were going to do it, um, you know, in a way that we that we both wanted to together. And the only time I actually got upset during Ellie's birth, well, two two times. So there was the time, because with a, with a TFMR, there's, there's an injection that they have to give um, baby, which is very, very heartbreaking. And that even now, yeah. looking back at that event, I can feel tightness in my chest, see, um, and that, when I think mm. about that, which is why I've, I went on to create um, a specific baby loss, going through difficult procedures track that you can listen to, which is all yeah. about distraction and relaxation while you're having difficult procedures done. That was off the back of my experience because looking back, I thought I would have liked that in place, yeah. but that wasn't in place. And then the second thing was having the cannula in my hand because it was so painful. But apart from that... Mm that you know I, there was nothing it was just pure yeah I don't know it was we felt very very centered very balanced um yeah it was just something that we thought well if we're going to do something for her we want to make it into something beautiful yeah so I, I decided that I wanted to try and um create something for families who've been told the babies died to advocate some of the hypnobirthing things that we were typically teaching on courses because not everything would have been applicable but things like breathing breathing techniques for contractions how can birth partner support mum visualization guided meditation tracks anchoring using smells music bringing things in of comfort baby loss birth plans so I went about setting all this kind of up and then over the past sort of six years managed to through donations through funding through voluntary time eventually created a free baby loss app which is it's a it's a free support tool designed to support people before birth so pre-birth kind of from a hypnobirthing point of view but then also post-birth it offers lots of support as well like a journaling tool where you can track the you weather state every day and, and track how you're feeling um, there's a support page with people like yourselves, organisations like yourselves, a podcast, all different things that people can find. There's weekly support, mindfulness sessions that we run on there. There's also meditation tracks, relaxation tracks. Yeah, and, and a community space as well. So, yeah, not, so. Not, not much then. <laughs> <laughs> you said about taking back control. Hmm. Now, men in general struggle with the lack of control certainly with baby loss and not being able to fix things, not being able to do anything to stop the inevitable that is happening. Were there any noticeable differences between you and Rick in regards to the way that you both reacted, A, to the news about Ellie mm. and B, mm. within the room at that time? 
Mm. Yeah. So, um, so the the hypnobirthing definitely helps from from the mindset point of things with Rick, because it largely focuses on how birth partner can support mum mm. and create a bubble. So it's great for dads because there's like an action plan. So I, so when dads went on the hypnobirthing course, they were like, yep, yeah, I know what to do. I know how to keep her calm. I know what I need to do. I know what, what my role is on the day. So Rick had kind of learned all of this on the course and he was all, he's already geared because we call the, the dads the protector of the birthing experience. Okay. Right. So they've got like this really fancy, like I'm the protector of the birthing experience. So Rick was very much of that mindset. So when we found out that Elliot died, he really took control in that right come on, like, I, what, what is it I need to do in relation to these next steps? And I, I, I was smiling when you mentioned the word, like, because you mentioned that uh, guys like to try to fix things. Rick's very much like that. Mm. So, um, which is where we've had to learn how each other grieve. Mm. Because yes. I often refer to me and Rick reading the same book, being a, but being on different chapters different of that chapters, book yeah. in relation to grief. Yeah, Rick's kind of had to learn in terms of, the fix things is that actually he can't fix things, but I also don't want him to fix me because I just want him to hold space for me. How has Rick been further on down the line? Like I like you, the way you've explained that, that, you know, you're both reading the same book, but you're at different chapters. And I would, you could almost argue that maybe you jump in chapters and you're coming back because grief, yeah. grief isn't linear. We know grief isn't linear. So we're not yeah. going to go from chapter one to chapter yeah. 10 we might go to one to nine to four to it, it just works yeah. like that that sort of protector role like you've said he's mm. uh, i think it's a great idea how has his grief been different to yours and has it yeah. has it almost mirrored that what you see within men i'm a very emotive person i express through words through drawing through writing i'm just very expressive like I always describe myself as Tinkerbell because I'm like, if I've got an emotion, I'm just like, I just pop. It's like, I can't keep it in. It's just, it's just yeah. there. It just goes off and then it's done and done. Um, whereas in Rick's very much kind of, he'll keep things more to himself. But I think over the years of being married to a mental health nurse, he's okay. become better at opening up. Is that because you'd diagnose him if he didn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think because, so, the, so, if any, so me and Rick have been married for 10 years next year. And I think definitely the, the 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 very foundation of our marriage has been communication. Mm. So um, we have a practice that we do. It's not this has only been in the last sort of year year or so, and it's called shining a light. So that every week we have a little meeting. We both bring something to the table, something that we're unhappy with, and then we also bring something that we want to rejoice in in terms of each other. Wow! So it's an opportunity for us to kind of come together and like, for example. I don't know, like one time he was like, it's really annoying because you keep leaving the pots in the sink, like piling up instead of putting them on the side. He said, you just keep piling them in the sink and it's really grating on me. Can I just um, say, but- he is, pardon my French, fucking brave. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to my wife. No. I'm getting chinned. No, can I just say, I've just had a message come through from my wife, Lucy. Jesus, you've opened a can of bloody words now. Right, so a message has just come through from my wife saying, I'll let you know now, you leaving the towel on the side of the bath, effing grates on me. Is this just going to be one after the other now? No. All right, here's a challenge, Amy. You've got to give one compliment to your And also husband. the cutlery in the sink. 
Lucy's just thrown a load yeah. of men right under the bus. <laughs> Every joking. single I'm man joking. on this stream has literally just gone <laughs> yeah. like that, haven't they? So, um, anyway, so I don't know if this practice would work for everyone, but... Oh, yeah. I think it's <laughs> well, yeah. a cracking idea. <laughs> I think it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's an so this, this practice, then, it's an opportunity for you both to, yeah, to sort of air something out that you're not happy with and then something that you are rejoicing in. So, so to, to kind of uplift and praise each other for it. Life becomes busy, doesn't it? And it becomes, mm. like, you know, stressful and things like this. And, you know, so... I might not go as far as a meeting with Crystal because I, I well, but but but, <laughs> but no but 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 on a serious note, I think it's imp- I think what you said is it's important to have that time not, together as well, right? Like, not, I don't think it's called a meeting, is it? It's just called spending time with your wife. No, Lucy described it as a meeting because <laughs> I mean we're, we're jesting, but it's just it's just simple, effective yeah, communication. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. Can I just share? Go on, Ryan. Um, I'm really good at cleaning the kitchen. Okay, there you go. That's why I celebrated. <laughs> but then she put kitchen only <laughs> <laughs> well can, can you see what's starting to happen is these these conversations are starting to happen <laughs> i can see they're, exactly they're unraveling. Yeah, yeah. but i think i think all, all jokes aside it's about yeah. communication isn't it yeah. i think yeah, i think no, a I lot of yeah. a lot of people through the work that i do speaking to the baby loss families i think very often it's very common from what i hear is that communication sometimes falls down and breaks down because yeah, i agree this because yeah. as well it's like you know, for the fear of upsetting each other, yes. maybe um, bringing it up or not knowing how to say something, etc. So look, this kind of idea of shining a light is that, I'm going to say it's a meeting, it's more about just carving out time, just, it, it, just yeah. time just to talk. Yeah, It goes yeah, right. back yeah. It goes back to our very, very first episode. The, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's that, yeah. what we we said, yeah. the subject is, you reference as it you said, as a, as, a, as a couple, it can take you apart if you don't find a way of communicating. But also, you know, I don't it, know what you get with your clients. Um, I get a lot of my clients who say that maybe at times they don't want to say specifically how they're feeling yeah. because they think that their partner is having a good day yeah. or or yeah. they're having a bad day so they don't want to make it any worse or something like yeah. that. When And I, actually, I completely agree with you, Lucy, in the respect of the communication thing. And, and ultimately... Communication is the best way of doing it because that's the only way you're going to find out exactly how that how your partner or how somebody else is feeling. Yeah. We've just had a comment come through uh, from Mary McShane who's basically said, we don't talk about it because she's sure that... The, uh, sorry, we don't talk about it because I'm sure we're both scared of upsetting each other. Precisely. And, and that's like what I've just said, yeah. isn't it? Is, you know, yeah. you do, we are scared of upsetting each other. I personally find that quite difficult because... I feel I can show a vulnerability. I can show a vulnerability, but I feel like I don't like to show a vulnerability. Yeah, that, you're not in your comfort zone. I'm not in. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of my comfort zone. And is that a guy thing though? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, absolutely. but there's, there's levels of it, and of you're higher up that scale, perhaps. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. And everybody's obviously different. When we, you know, if we if we're all exactly the same, life would be boring, wouldn't well, it? No, life's being criticised. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, in terms of like loss, and in terms of a lost journey, and in terms of speaking to bereaved parents and stuff like that, there's some parents I can, or sorry, some one to ones that I can speak to, and I can come out of a session, and I'm absolutely yeah. fine. And then there's others, and there was one not that long ago where I'd come back from a walk and my mind was absolutely blown. Yeah. And I remember saying to Matt, I, I am, that it, that has really affected mm. me. Yeah. And it was somebody's first session. And it was, oh, okay. you were exhausted. I was you, mentally yeah. really? exhausted yeah. because yeah. of what I'd been speaking to this client about. 
and because it brought home a lot of um okay. well, it took me back quite right. quite a number of yeah. years yeah. and but being able to vocalize that and being able to, at that moment in time to be able to turn around to Matt and say look mate that was pretty full on like that was I felt pretty shit after that that was, was a good way of being able to do it and I think it's easier for blokes to be able to speak to blokes because you can have that camaraderie True. that little bit of banter and stuff like that absolutely as well. but yeah, you're right. But there's a lot of those stereotypes, but there's also the kindred spirits. And there's also yeah. something that we've mentioned a lot on, on this show. And I think to a degree, we're doing it tonight. You don't necessarily have to get into these conversations straight away at serious point number one. No. We, as we've said many times on this podcast, if you're a regular listener, you might recall us saying it. We find it a hell of a lot easier to talk around the topic by talking about other things. And then we, we come into these, these moments that are the actual reason that we're doing this. Yeah at the relevant times yeah. because the conversation that you're having needs to be conducive to actually make it effective for everyone else. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's why Amy started with the towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on. We're not too far from from the end. A uh, couple of things to to mention. First up, I think I got your name wrong at the start. Cause I, it's, it's Lucy Livesey, isn't it? I think I called you Lucy Livesey at the start. So Lucy, yeah, everyone says so. It's fine. Yeah, Livesey, yeah. And yeah, we'd like to... Well, if, if there's anything that you you haven't discussed that you'd like to mention, uh, if not, mm. I was going to bring up your, your podcast that you have mm. also, which I'll put a link in this description. You can also find it on your podcast platforms, on your Spotify and your Apple. Uh, tell us about it, please. Yeah, so our organisation that mainly focuses in terms of post-birth support, it focuses on mindfulness um, in particular. So for anyone that doesn't know what mindfulness is, it's um, it's all about learning how to be in the moment. So it's the awareness that arises from paying attention. So it's about learning how to be with whatever shows up, whether that's, you know, happy, sad, angry, whatever it is. It's about learning how to touch such life right now here yeah. because a lot of us are in our heads you know going over the past or going into the future and actually ultimately that causes a lot of suffering or candy especially in relation to baby loss and grief you know because we can go over things in the past was it something that i did yeah. is that is that why my baby died yeah. or in the future will i ever get pregnant again you know will it happen again etc all these kind of bits so we end up like creating extra suffering and our thoughts create tension they, they you know whatever we think affects the body so what we do in our organization is we run weekly mindfulness and grief sessions so it's about bringing families together online um, and we have people joining from as far as dubai like we have people all around the world it's a drop-in and these sessions are set up for um families who've been affected by baby loss and and it's any 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 circumstance at any time and it can either be recent or years ago it doesn't matter and it's about holding space. So we always begin with a mindfulness practice. Or I'm like last week, I did a bit of a a bit of a an extra session around sleep and grief for families to to help them to understand how they can sleep better yeah. in grief. That's great. And then we also have a, within that session a, a, a space to share and hold space where people can say how they are. Um, and then we finish usually with a with a, a like a loving kindness practice. So That's great. it's it's about it's for people who are interested in in more kind of uh, learning how to to uh, manage grief maybe in a in a different way. And again, it's just it's another resource. It's another and learning it's, it's, curve. It's, fanta yeah, yeah. it's fantastic to do, yeah, yeah. to do so. 
Yeah. We'll make sure I put the link in the description. Are you are you yeah. anything like Matt? Because obviously we do the podcast. Do you do you, do you ever listen back to your own podcast? Because Matt Matt don't. Yeah. So yeah. On. So aside yeah. from those those sessions, um, we this podcast and it is all around mindfulness again. So it's so it's um, the podcast is quite aptly named Holding Space. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, say that again, because when I edit this, I'd like you to say it without Matt coughing all over it. <laughs> so it's um, it's Holding Space. It's basically a mental health, mindfulness and baby loss podcast. So the idea is, is that we have experts coming on who talk about different things. Like this week, we released um, an episode on breath work. And then aside from the podcast as well, we also have eight-week mindfulness and grief courses as well for families to attend. Um, Amazing. But they're only specifically um, for people in Oldham and surrounding areas at the moment because we, in order to run one of those courses, we either have to get funding or we have to raise money. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a an ongoing thing yeah. where we're just trying to generate funds to keep putting them on. But, of course... Well, it's, it's difficult. I think that's <laughs> so, uh, it's absolutely yeah. fantastic. One one thing I will say before we leave, Lucy, as personally, I don't know about these two, but I think you need to up your game. You're not doing that much. I think there's plenty more that you could be, <laughs> you could be doing. Um, and and thank you for joining us tonight on, yeah. on our podcast, the Still Parents podcast. Um, yeah. yeah, we're about done. Be- before we go, though, I've got one final Final question for you, if you if you don't mind, um, could you tell us, on the, based on this podcast tonight, one thing about it that irritated you? And... <laughs> And one thing that you you you, you, you liked. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is the shine of light, isn't it? Shine of light practice. <laughs> I couldn't <Yeah>. resist. <laughs> so let me think. So one thing that um... you, you don't have to, by the no, way. Yeah, if you don't want, we... no, you no, no, you no. do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm interested now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that irritated me was that I can't hear you very well at my end okay that's <laughs> very that's very conservative that yeah, is, we'll Lucy. take we'll take that one yeah we'll take that do you one. know what a superstar yeah. and what a professional lucy is because she told us this before we went live but we can't get it any louder here. no 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 yeah because if we do it um, blows yeah <laughs> Um, and one thing I one thing I enjoyed was actually having um, conversation with all three of you and how it was all collaboratively delivered and how each of you had your own little bit to to add and, and that it wasn't just kind of just about me it was it felt like it just like we were having a a conversation over a coffee which was really well, nice that's very kind but i think that a lot of that's down to you because yeah. you know it depends oh, yeah. on the guest i think yeah, absolutely Lucy, thank you so much. We would love to get you back on at some point, yes. whether you want to join us on Zoom or uh, come and join us in the studio. You're more than welcome to come on anytime for a whole show or just be part of mm. of the show when we have another guest on. It'd be nice to mm. have, um, I mean, I don't know if if Rick would like to, but it'd be nice maybe to have yeah. you both on together. We do have the odd yeah. couples episode. Oh, you could, yeah. do, you could do your weekly meeting with us. <laughs> well yeah well why not yeah, yeah you can join it yeah there you go <laughs> we'll all bring our um, wives no 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 we won't no we won't <laughs> <laughs> no that would be yeah that would be amazing yeah. I, i'd be more than happy to come back on and i'm sure rick would be happy to as yeah. well yeah. um what i also want to say as well is just because the you two are mental first aiders mental health first aiders is that if anyone is as well looking for any mental health first aid training please look us up because um if you obviously if you, if you do have training free myself um the the profits from that help to offer more baby loss support to families in need how can people find you lucy so if you find my uh, website which is relaxwithlucy.co.uk um and we are and we're on instagram as the ellie's gift project 
Ellie, the, the Ellie's Gift Project. Yeah. There we are. Thank you very much. All the best with, with everything that you're doing. We can't wait to speak to you again. This has been episode 58 of the Still Parents podcast. We'd love for you to reach out. You don't have to. I understand and we all understand that sometimes it's just easier to listen and you you take in what we do in whatever way works for you. But you can get to us through our Instagram, Still Parents Podcast, uh, our website, uh, sorry, our website, stillparentspodcast.co.uk, Instagram, Still Parents Podcast, and also, of course, with the Lily May Foundation. We will be back with episode 59 very, very soon. But uh, to you and your family, Lucy, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks to your listeners. Lucy. And to, uh, to, to to Ryan and Matt, myself, we're all off now for a nice bath after the foot. Not together, right? For, uh, <laughs> for the after our footy game today. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to going home and yeah. being told, <laughs> told what all my wrongs are and uh, hopefully put my rights. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, we'll start the next episode by going over that ground next. Week. Find out. Take care, one and all. Adios. See you, guys.